what kind of a people leader in terms of being able to attract yeah. other people? Um, in the end, it becomes a people game. So how are you able to actually bring on A players, people who are really ambitious? Um, are, are you a magnet for that kind of uh, talent? And I think that's, that's an important uh, skill as well. Hey everyone, thanks a lot for listening to the show. If you're enjoying it, please make sure you like, comment, and follow the show. It means a lot to me. It gives me conviction to keep on going. So thanks a lot. Welcome to another episode of Talks with T. Today, I'm humbled to have uh, Muhammad Maki with us, uh, founding partner at Astrolabs. Pleasure to be here. So what is Astrolabs? Astrolabs has been uh, a journey for the last decade. Mm. Uh, Lewis and I started the company in, in uh, 2013 on the heels of uh, uh, Nemshi, so a founding experience here in, in Dubai, mm. with, with really the objective of helping build the technology and digital ecosystem in, in the region. Yeah. And it's been evolving over time. So right now we build digi- we build uh, ecosystems really uh, across uh, UAE, Saudi, and and, uh, and the rest of the region, and we do that through helping companies come in from around the world, landing here in Dubai or in Saudi, uh, co-working spaces, company setup, and and hiring, and we also do it through our our programmatic side. So we have capability building programs where we run. Uh, incubators, accelerators, and and uh, trainings on different topics to help grow it kind of from the grassroots. If, if you've lived in different places other than the UAE, um, you realize that if there's a place to be like in this window yeah. of of life right now, and I guess in this window of history, uh, and and you probably see this at uh, you're at the forefront of this. There's probably no more exciting place to be than you know the this part of the world right yeah. now specifically saudi and, and uae no i mean it's it's incredible to see um the region on the radar now mm. of classmates of mine who would normally just be in you know new york london yeah. maybe singapore yeah. are now coming here and are you know uh, excited about you know setting up and and uh, being part of the story here so mm. i think for sure um Especially post-COVID, mm. seeing how you know the 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 country dealt with it, and all, and just the the opportunities that are that are available now is kind of like a more mature emerging market. Yeah. We're seeing that. I mean, the opportunity here and in Saudi, in parallel, are are, are both uh, phenomenal. Yeah. And tell me about the origin stories of of leaving, you know, your consulting gig. Yeah. How you ended up starting. Nemshi. Yeah, so in the, so that was it was actually less than a year in. Um, uh, so everything that you know I was programmed to be thinking was like, you know what, you got to be spend at least two years, you know, get what you need to get from this consulting job, and then think about something else. Yeah, you know, but life doesn't always work that way, yeah. and I think um, it was a very unique uh, opportunity at the time. Uh, had the opportunity to get some funding early. Um, it was a early rocket internet venture, mm. you know, uh, that that where I was reached out to saying, are you interested in maybe trying to do something in the region? And that resonated with me big time. And so we had an opportunity to kind of uh, get funding in an environment where funding was very difficult to get. Yeah. And it was a matter of, picking what model to do, basically mm. what, what business to mm. run, and finding other people, like-minded people. So I found Louis, Louis Labos, who's uh, you know, been my partner from, from then, basically. Yeah. We started at McKinsey in the same year uh, and the same day. And uh, he, he made the decision to leave you know, immediately. It was, it was uh, within, within a couple of weeks, we were kind of off and starting this thing. And it was... Uh, you know, the, there were there definitely was e-commerce at the time, but nobody was doing in-season fashion in this mm. kind of way, which mm. was actually a very expensive proposition because mm. you needed to actually go procure all of the uh, inventory, and it was a high-risk kind of uh, game, but also high margin. So mm. it actually had the pr- potential to get to profitability. Mm. Um, and so we we decided to to go for it, and uh, you know, it was one of these 
typical venture backed, you know, yeah. raise a bunch of money, hire a hundred people, uh, build out a team in that process going through it. We realized, you know what, this is kind of the beginning of a wave that's, that's, that's happening. We're mm-hmm. starting to see a few more things pop up and both Lewis and I were called to this idea of what can we do in order to be part of that? Um, having taken this experience and and really be part of that uh, that genesis, and over some brainstorming sessions, we kind of came up with this concept of Astrolabs, mm. uh, very different model, uh, bootstrapped, yeah. a couple of guys starting it, and uh, and that was kind of the we you know I I left and then Lewis uh, joined me, uh, and we we decided to just give this thing a go. Mm. And it was really just let's wrap up our experience as founders into yeah. a program mm. and take that all over the region mm. and meet with founders. And this was circa 2000, you know, uh, 13, 14. We're in Cairo. We're in Amman, in Riyadh, mm. Jeddah, Khobar, um, Dubai, of course, meeting that, you know, the, the, the tech founders of that era. Mm. And we were, you know, it was, it was, it was very heartening and exciting because we saw the raw potential of what was there. Mm. And it kind of, you know, we doubled down on sort of our, our excitement about this concept. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it sounds like, uh, you know, you were looking for an opportunity and then the rocket internet guys found yep. the right guy. <laughs> Wasn't it like, I mean, like, are you interested? Are, yeah. You're like, you could have asked anyone else, yeah. you know, this is, yeah. Um, and then, so, what, was it a prerequisite that you have a, a, another co-founder from their side, uh, or was it they said, "Hey, you know, how how does that play out?" Yeah, I think um, it was grant taken for granted that mm-hmm. this is not like a, a solo play. Okay. Uh, trying to find other people, multiple uh, co-founders. Mm-hmm. So the first person that came to mind was Lewis, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we. Uh, uh, Nora and I, my wife and I, invited him over to the house, and we had uh, we had we had dinner together, and then just kind of like, okay, here's what it is, like, join me, let's do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he he he, uh, he he was also like very much in that same mindset, yeah. and um, hoping to make that transition himself, so. We both took that jump, and I think learned a ton from. It was it was the it was it was a it was a great school as well mm-hmm. in in learning how um, uh, to build a company. And uh, in fact, uh, we were actually in this building yeah. at a certain at oh, a certain really? point. In the, in the <laughs> and uh, you know shifted a few times and and really kind of um, uh, we 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 learned firsthand. I, I remember. You know, it was a small team, and that just the era at the time of the challenges that we were facing yeah. were like, you know, the, I was I was uh, leading the customer service angle, and we didn't have like a, a team at the time, so I would I, I actually pick up the phone and would answer like these customers were kind of calling, and they're asking, you know, the the number one question we would get is like, where is your store in, uh, you know, and then yeah. name your mall, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or in, and eventually, when especially when we opened in Saudi, mm. right? Where is your store and name your tertiary city yeah, in Saudi? Yeah. Like, well, actually, it's not how it works. <laughs> so the not only from a you know a tech ecosystem yeah. perspective, but from just a general you know uh, society perspective, mm. it was quite early. Mm. Uh, but we were quite fortunate to have had that you know firsthand experience, and that's what I think is the ethos of Astrolabs is mm. that it's you know by founders for founders. It's 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 a very practical um, approach to doing some things that are quite critical to build the ecosystem. Yeah. And, and what did you learn? So, so you brought Lewis, w- were there other team members you brought, brought along early in the journey? As yeah, well? yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hassam, um, who ended up, you know, becoming the CEO and leading the company up until its acquisition. Um, you know, uh, Faraz uh, Khalid was, was involved. Mm. Hisham, Zarqa, like we had, we had, a, we had a team, um, uh, that was, uh, you know, executing on this. Mm. Um, it was it was crazy times, yeah. and uh, and I think you know we're all you know proud to see the company still standing to this day, yeah. and and uh, having reached the size that it has, and 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 the impact. Yeah. Um, and w- what did you learn about assembling a kind of a founding team, for the lack of a better phrase? Yeah, I think um, the the experience 
and you know, I, I feel very fortunate to have, you know, intersected with Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that decision even to go off and start something else together in terms of, uh, to, uh, in terms of Astrolabs is finding the right, you know, marriage of partners is incredibly difficult mm-hmm. and obviously a combination of, of some fortune, but also being very self-aware about what you need and, and what the other person can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, no matter what, I'm also reflecting even over our years at Astrolabs, right? Uh, the importance of having multiple people at the helm mm-hmm. is um, invariably your journey will have its ups and downs. But yeah. I think, you know, by some kind of, you know, mercy, <laughs> uh, generally, if you have multiple people, the, the pits of the pits, the other person won't be down there. You know, they'll have, yeah. they'll be at least somewhere else in that sign curve, right? So it's yeah. like you have, you have a little bit of, you know, uh, pulling each other up. Mm. Um, which we've experienced multiple times. And I think, you know, finding the right person is, is um, you know, as I mentioned, understanding what it is for you. So f- I know for me, um, having somebody that, that can um, always, you know, challenge and bring up another perspective. And I think that's one of the dynamics that we have quite well is that devil's advocate approach. Mm. Being quite paranoid um, is another area where, you know, we, we think about a lot is, um, uh, especially in a bootstrapped company yeah. where you just don't have a lot of cushion and room for error, mm. being paranoid and thinking about what are the, the 10 things that could go wrong mm. and pushing each other on it. Um, and then having a way to be able to divide up the, you know, um, mm. uh, what's, uh, uh, what needs to get done mm. and in an, in an effective way. Um, yeah, there's there's several you know yeah. important ingredients to it, but uh, I think in the end it's a it's really an interpersonal. It's like a do you click with the person and are they do they have mm-hmm. the right the right complementary components? Yeah, and and then kind of even beyond that, the first I mean, Hassam's gone on to found Tabi, Faraz at noon, right? With Nemshi actually, yeah, yeah. now <laughs> full back circle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean it's clear that you did something right with kind of assembling the team yeah. broader than just, let's call it the first. So even the first hires, the first team members, yeah, yeah. what are you, what are you looking for? There? It was, it's this, um, I think there's a, you know, um, a, a thirst to learn is, mm. is a really important trait. And that's something that I think we all have. We're always, we're, we're kind of nerdy people at mm. heart and mm. are always looking to learn from, uh, others um, and and have a self kind of correcting and willingness to change uh, is really important. And I think um, the so that that that's probably um, uh, one one aspect. Um, there's a there's just a kind of a, a the drive and the hunger for mm. it. Um, I think the, I'm just, I'm talking about the things that really are hard to even teach afterwards. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you, if yeah. you have the innate willingness to learn, that's yeah. great. If you have this, um, this drive for, for the, the problem that you're mm. trying to solve and it's, it, it's really striking some kind of chord for you. Um, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's also kind of, uh, uh quite important. Um, and then, you know, w- what kind of, a what kind of a people leader in terms of being able to attract yeah. other people? Um, in the end, it becomes a people game. So how are you able to actually bring on A players, people who are really ambitious? Um, are, are you a magnet for that kind of uh, talent? And I think that's that's an important uh, skill as well. Mm. And you were you were at MC for? Two years. Two years. Yeah. And uh, tell me about kind of the journey starting to build that from, you know, a place where people didn't even understand what e-commerce was to, you know, that for those first two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was um, I remember we had a, you know, crazy ambitious uh, plan to just, you know, within a few months have this thing, website launched, everything running. Right. and the most anticlimactic moment actually was when we launched the website. Right? <laughs> so you were like, expecting like fireworks, yeah, it's like, <laughs> like okay, it's someone live. jumping out. It's live. Yeah. So it was live, yeah. and then you know we're just tracking. Okay, um, 
you know, visits or whatever. And then there's like an order. It's like, oh, okay. It's yeah. like, yeah, okay. No, oh, sorry. That's like, you know, that's Lewis's mom. Like, <laughs> all right. It's like, and then it was until it was like, oh, you know, is that your, is that your sister? No, is that what it was? Is that your, yeah. no, that's yeah. actually a new customer. Yeah, customer. <laughs> so I, I think the early days were, um, were, were very slow. It was like, remember we had a board. It was like, you know, the date and the, you know, number of orders, but it was like zero, one, zero, zero. And then, um, it was it was a matter of um, there was a lot of trial by fire and just learning as we're doing because mm. there weren't I mean, even with the partners like at Facebook at Google where we're we're doing you know we're doing ads in ways that others aren't doing right mm. in the region mm. and, and at volumes that weren't weren't really being done um, so there was that kind of the customer acquisition side mm. trying to crack what what works and how would we not just flush away money because people you know. So some things we learned at that stage were the you know the importance of anchor and marquee brands, mm. um, especially in such an early ecosystem for people to have the trust with this platform and say okay they see a polo or a, um, a you know an Adidas or whatever the brand is on the site, mm. um, but that the long term strategy was actually to move as much to private label as possible because the margins are much higher right, mm. but getting those brands I remember you know mm. Shell Hoop Group. Um, was the first major win we had in mm. terms of getting their portfolio of brands. And it was going and trying to convince that, you know, the, the, the team there to actually just be able to buy the product. And it was challenges we never thought we would have, which is like, we have money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we want to you know, buy. buy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, we're not even asked for terms, yeah. anything complicated. We yeah. just want to buy stuff. But there was this question. It's like, what is this website? Is my stuff going to be next to a refrigerator? Yeah. Is it like, you know, yeah. they, there was there were these questions that we didn't anticipate having. Yeah. But then once you break the barrier, mm. it was those earliest days, which I think were the hardest. Mm. You break the barrier, you get a couple of brands, which other peer brands look up to. Mm. Then we were able to, you know, grow that and in fact you know then show performance and get you know terms on 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 the on purchases and uh, be able to sell the stuff before we have to pay for it and that helps with with obviously scaling i was much more involved in in the operations and and uh, the challenges around the logistics of warehousing and then the shipping and making sure the stuff and the cash on delivery and all these uh, logistical challenges which were also very nascent in the region mm-hmm. Um, so a lot, there were so many learnings, I guess. And that's what one of the things that we tried to do is say, OK, we saw all of that firsthand and like tried to solve all of it. It's mm-hmm. like there's some learning in there that we wanted to kind of turn into something. Right. Mm-hmm. And that and I think that's part of also just our um, uh, this drive to always be learning and teaching and thinking. So that that's what that, it was. That was all the fodder that turned into scaling online startups, which yeah. is this program that we ran. Um, and, and that was really fun to be able to transmit some of that stuff and also learn from all of these other founders who are going through those challenges in, in Cairo or wherever they are and add to that, you know, body of knowledge. Yeah. And so it sounds like there was almost like a calling for you. Uh, So do you remember the moment at which you started saying, I actually want to transition out of Nemshi and do something else. Do you do you recall when that happened? Yeah, I mean, I, I think going even going into it, it kind of breaks one of the rules, which is, you know, it uh, was I super passionate about, you know, selling fashion online? Mm-hmm. No. All right. Yeah. That wasn't. But it was like stepping stone. an opportunity yeah. that was so unique. Yeah. Um, so even going into the whole thing, it was like I, I, I was I was much more you know, um, passionate about this idea of what does entrepreneurship uh, ecosystem look like in this region? Mm. Obviously, the concept for Astrolabs had not yet been hatched at that yeah. time, but I knew that I needed to actually do it. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it was it was just, it, it, it was, it, I don't know if there was a single moment, but it, mm. it kind of did, um, I think that pre-seed, pre- before, yeah. um, grew, and it felt like it was the right time. Mm. And um, and I was just much more willing to take a risk and in this case, try a completely even different model and, and try things uh, in, a, in, a, in a new way. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was an awesome journey. Uh, why, why, where do you think this comes from? This, um, it sounds like you had this desire, even from when you were in, in the Bay Area, you had this desire to drive some sort of impact in the Middle East, in the tech space. Um, And then you got into the tech space and it sounds like you felt we can drive a bigger impact 
on on a fabric level versus you know going deep in one domain yeah where, where do you think that came from that desire i think um it's been in the making <clears throat> for many many years mm. and um, it probably started maybe even when i applied for my undergrad program which mm. was this international business program yeah. uh, that i did it was and with my anchor languages you know arabi even though i had i sp i was speaking it informally but like to go in and learn the language deeper and mm. do a study abroad and live you know in in the in the region and experience it um, and and then after that, I actually did a, I did a Fulbright fellowship, and I lived in Damascus mm. um, and and then Sharjah, mm. um, and I I was researching a uh, topic um, Islamic finance at the time, and also just building my my kind of base skills, if you yeah. will, in um, and that was Sharjah, you know, circa two thousand six. Um, so I kind of saw the UAE as well at that time and and then it was I think the it was the combination of that interest in the region with my experience in business school mm. and being in Silicon Valley that said okay maybe I can bring these things together um, and uh, and then come out uh, come out here to do something to be really a, a part of that and that that journey actually continues so um, so one of the things that I'm uh, that I'm doing now mm. is uh, as I've now you know had this firsthand experience of building and and you know operating a, uh, a venture back company to kind of doing this ecosystem building uh, through Astro Labs, still have um, an interest to make an impact on kind of a country level and even with the strategy of how innovation ecosystems are developed. And so the nerd in me went back to school again. Um, so over the last few years, I've actually been pursuing a PhD in this topic. So I've been okay. I've been researching um, uh, innovation ecosystems and looking at Dubai as a case study. Mm. And uh, that's been um, a, a completely different skill set. And, mm. and but uh, the idea is that if I can know it from an academic mm. standpoint as well as from a very practical standpoint there'd be an opportunity to make an impact in the other countries that are going through other, you know, transitions, whether it's in Saudi or eventually Iraq, uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, as, as, as things kind of stabilize and, and, and start growing there. So th I still have this calling mm -hmm. and I think it's, it, you know, the scope is changing mm -hmm. uh, over time, but I, I I'm just kind of building on it piece by piece. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure where, where it will end up, but mm -hmm. I'm kind of taking it a step at a time. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, inspiring North Star uh, and I think it also lead it also reiterates even for companies the need to have a North Star you may yeah. not know what shape or form or what the path you take that leads you there but having that North Star just guides your approach guides your thinking yeah. and allows you to evolve with time Hundred percent, and I think the, the the cool thing to reflect on the journey of Astrolabs is that although we've added a ton and done different things and expanded, and it, that's still that that seed from the very beginning, yeah. and that, that that interest in 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 making an impact in terms of capability building and and uh, um, doing the hard things over over a long period of time. Yeah. I think that was the other thing that I really learned through this last experience. I've always been somebody that has hopped a lot. Mm. Um, and I think that's what drew me to consulting. Mm. And I get bored quickly. And I, 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 even in college, I would, I would be the one person taking like six classes instead of four, just yeah. because it's like, well, there's so many cool things to learn about. <laughs> and, um, and I think that I, I wish I had been counseled mm. uh, against that. It's not like, you know, you're Superman, you can do all these things. It's yeah. actually, um, you know, n n I, I feel now that that's yeah. not as an effective way to kind of learn or mm. to, and I've seen that now firsthand through it, instead of, you know, spending a year or two or three doing something, 10, uh, the depth of learning that you can, you know, achieve. Mm. Um, and I have a lot more, you know, I, I see a lot more value in, you know, these 
um, yeah, longer pursuits. Yeah. Um, and even in what it does for 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 from for me as you know, uh, as Muhammad, and as as the impact that I can make. Yeah, you, you know, I think to a large extent these longer pursuits. I was having this conversation with one of our team members the other day, and he was telling me that, yeah, you know, I've been kind of doing the same thing yeah. for the past three years. Um, and what I told him, I said, listen, I think you get to define what that role looks like. I told him, you know, as a founder, in theory, you've been doing the same role until you're, you no longer are, but what you do and where you focus and what you decide to pursue develops based on your ability to say, cool, I think I've got this, but what, what's behind that door? And yeah. you, can, you have the ability to do that even though you're on paper doing the same thing. And I think a lot of people uh, have this preconceived notion that in order to get new experiences, I have to leave what I'm doing and go do something else versus I can go deeper, open new doors, discover new opportunities, solve new challenges. 100%. And, and in fact, if you are in the same environment, your ability to go deeper is much higher. You're, mm. you're, you have uh, more doors open for you because mm. you become a subject matter expert. And even what you see, the opportunities that you see are manifold. And I think that's the element that people maybe who are samplers um, don't appreciate as much because you kind of are always waiting at the surface. Yeah. And, and so what led you to decide to set up Astrolabs in a bootstrapped fashion versus uh, a venture-backed fashion? Yeah, I think um, it was a discovery process. I mm. think in the beginning, um, we we thought, let's first start with doing this program and see what happens. Um, the business model wasn't clear at the time. In fact, we were sponsor-driven. Uh, I mean, we, we were... Um, you know, many thanks to folks like uh, Aramex and, uh, you know, uh, PayPal at the time and, and, and a couple of organizations in, in Saudi that um, that sponsored us to run these programs. Because you you're think about the business model here. You're bringing a, a, group, a small group, right, <laughs> <clears throat> 20 people into a room. And who don't have money. Who don't have money. <laughs> exactly, right? The, the worst thing is a services company for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think... Um, we didn't know where we were going with it. We knew we had this passion. We knew that there was a need. And we knew that also what we had delivered, at least in those first couple of iterations, were really resonating. I mm. mean, there was something there. Mm. Um, there was a moment where also we were kind of like, is this going anywhere? Are we going to be able to turn this into a real business? It was like, um, you know, we're barely making enough money just to be able to subsist. Mm. Um, where we were able to, uh, through a introduction from one of our participants, so um, uh, Shanta Kanayan was part of our first um, uh, program that we ran in mm. Dubai um, when with uh, Glambox at the time. Okay. Um, and he was still at Google, kind yeah. of transitioning off. Yeah. And he made an introduction to the Google for Entrepreneurs team. Okay. And they were sponsoring or supporting companies like, you know, Startup Weekend and huge organizations yeah. across. And they, they gave us a shot. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, we were two people doing something that had a big ambition, but we were affiliated now with Google, right? And that mm -hmm. was a huge boost for us. And then we actually, we, we, we were about to raise money um, yeah. at, a, at a point when we, were, we had, we had uh, uh, plans, we were doing the first co-working space. Yeah. And we even had terms, a uh, group of angels, and documents. Uh, we'd been through diligence and everything. It mm. was literally, we, it was just writing on the signatures. Yeah. And they were all in different places and whatever. And they, they just, there was some dragging that was happening. One day, Lewis and I kind of woke up and we just were, we sort of like called each other. And we're like, you know what? This thing's been taking a long time. I think we can do it without this money. And we're like, should we do it? Should we risk it? Yeah. And uh, we just called it off. We just had like a feeling that, you know what, forget it. Yeah. Let's just let's just try it on our own, right? Yeah. 
and you know, I think in retrospect, it, it was the exact right decision to make because of, of the, the flexibility and everything and the, what everything that's happened over time. But definitely, there were down down periods where we're like, yeah, having having a cushion would have been <laughs> yeah, having some money <laughs> in the bank would have been good. Would have been good. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear one of those stories. Yeah, you know, because I think um, you know one of the core reasons I, I started this podcast is to be able to have the stories that don't make it on you yep. know LinkedIn. We raised. X amount, but no one knows what's happening on the inside. You know, sometimes people, you know, when we raise our Series C round, I'd get messages and calls from non-founders who would say, um, "Congrats!" And then from from founders who I have a pretty close relationship with, would be like, "Good luck, man." <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm for you to raise this round. I know that means it took a lot of uh, a lot of work to get there and stuff. So I, I think people don't see hear the stories of you know, where you. Yeah. Where we almost lost the company or where we almost ran out of cash. The first three to four years were very difficult. Mm. I think the I'm, I'm a big proponent of bootstrapping generally. Mm. Um, I think bootstrapping in this market is mm. doubly difficult because it does take time and expen- it, it's expensive to get things off the ground. And we hadn't figured out what our model was. So there were multiple points in the first few years. Um, I mentioned early on, even while we were still doing scaling online startups and we were kind of sponsorship driven, right? And, you know, leadership changed in a couple of the organizations. We were getting ghosted on emails about the ones that we thought were going to, you know, sponsor the upcoming uh, program. And we ended up running one with basically, you know, basically for free. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were paying for everything out of out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And it was just we, we had just come off of a, a stretch where we we're going kind of like back to back. We did like I think, uh, you know, we were in um, uh, in Jeddah and Cairo and we, we, we were just uh, in Amman. Just kind of like you know, is this like this, does this model even, is this going to work? Like, you know, as we're saying, we're trying to charge the people who had the least money in markets. Also imagine you're going to like Cairo. Exactly. (laughs) I remember we charged, I think we charged like a hundred dollars or something, right? It was like just something so that people would have commitment to come. Like, you know what? Yeah. All about ecosystem building, but it's gotta be a company that is going to be a profitable self-sustaining. We don't want it. We never from the beginning wanted to be one of these fly by night, be something that gets some kind of government grant that runs out. And then the the company ends because it Mm -hmm. has no inherent, you know, product or, or, or sustainable business model. So that was probably one where it was a pretty low point. And I think the, we were we were rejuvenated um, by a really you know amazing uh, intersection that happened between one of our sponsors of scaling online startups, which was the DMCC, the Free Zone, mm. um, and just an opportunity that came out of nowhere, which was that you know they had lined up a deal with a um, UK-based co-working space kind of company to come and open up in the free zone and had gotten all the approvals right um and we're, we're you know lewis and i were sitting with uh you know our our counterpart there james and you know james is like just out of he's just kind of telling us like as a story not mm-hmm. like as a you know and he's just saying yeah you know and he was championing this internally and lewis and i kind of look at each other we're like well, we do that, you know, we, we can run a co-working space. <laughs> and I think it was, it was a moment of like, there was this opportunity there that, that, that was kind of lined up. Um, we knew Google acro- across the world was in this mode of, of helping kind of sponsor hubs yeah. that were run by partners. Mm. So there was a, there was kind of that end. So we told him, listen, we got Google, we'll bring Google. And then we went to Google, we're like, we got the Dubai government. (laughs) And then suddenly there was this formula that came together that kind of just breathed new life into what we were doing, which is that, okay, let's bring together in a, in a physical space, Mm. you know, people. Um, And that added a new dimension to the business that honestly we hadn't planned for when we first began, Mm. right? It kind of, it was a logical next step. Mm. Um, And, and I think um, there was a period in which uh, life was pretty pretty good inter- after we had gotten again there was another challenge mm. there was the pits of wow we just signed crazy rent checks right you know you, you know when you sign yeah, a rent check yeah. for like your house or whatever yeah. we signed rent checks for you know uh, like the facility <laughs> and um on on money that we didn't have um and so there was there was you know personal liability there was a lot of like is this going to work are we going to be able to fill this thing up mm. right 
and then the project was delayed in terms of construction and we ran into a lot there was another like big dip at that stage but i think once we were able to be inside our space mm. and see the quality of the community mm. really and that's been one of the big differentiators and something that you can't pay any amount of money for right there's no you can't go off yeah. and and buy a high quality community that's yeah. the hard work of just you know bringing a person at a time um, that led to another sort of like, okay, you know, it feels like we have something there mm. to the point where we were just like, you know, we were running a profitable business. It was okay. And Lewis and I were like, okay, you know, should we just find something else to do? And, you know, so there was this moment where also we're like, should we just kind of stop here basically? Yeah. Um, and, and we couldn't get ourselves really as excited about doing anything else yeah we, we would brainstorm and we're like you know what but, but what we could do this is in it. yeah but yeah. we could like make this a part of astro you know yeah. we could do that and then at the same time we also intersected with Roland, yeah. and that was a game-changing sort of like you know um uh moment in the history of astrolabs and and we'd known Roland Daher for many years yeah. um when from his time at wamda and 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 uh, then he, we as a as a partner when he was running uh, Dubai 100, which is a health uh, tech uh, accelerator program, we were somehow able to convince him to sort of join a super tiny kind of company that had big ambitions yeah. um, as the chief operating officer, mm. right? And I think that was a that was a new kind of like upswing, mm. uh, bringing uh, you know new new life um, to the organization, also with high ambition. And we told him from the outset. Uh, this can be your company to run, you know, it's uh, yeah. really we would love to see this, you know, become a situation where you 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 transition from COO to CEO mm. of your own management team and you're you're running the company mm. uh, in the coming years. Mm. And that's that's the journey that uh, that ended up happening. Yeah. And um, what did you learn along the way in terms of how to tweak your approach and kind of continue to i don't want to say the word pivot but to yeah. a large extent uh, assess new opportunities and say do we pursue them are they a distraction is there something at is, is there something at the end of this road uh, or is it taking us in a completely different direction which doesn't uh, yep. come under our core ethos um because we do so many things um, we've had that discussion a lot of times. I mean, we're not as we're, we're by design the opposite of what advice you get from investors, yeah. <laughs> um, which is you know really to focus. Yeah. And uh, maybe this is the legacy of exactly what I was talking to you about <laughs> is that we're just so interested in so many it's different just, things. It's a reflection right? of your yeah exactly. Your, your so psyche. we're, we're kind of yeah. like, uh, um, but but also to be f to, to 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 be fair to us, I think is that if they if the mission is about ecosystem building, mm. that is a multi pronged uh, approach, and in fact, having many elements to it actually helps the whole the whole uh, puzzle come together. So, as an example, you know when we're running an accelerator, incubator, or training program, the what what we can pull from is so differentiated we have we you know we've helped over a thousand companies set up between you know dubai and saudi uh, over over this this last period mm. those founders you know um the 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 work and the, the that we've built into the ip of of like the open academy courses the the, the classes that we run all these different elements kind of come together nicely to kind of feed each other so if a company now is entering into saudi from another geography well we can plug them in we have hiring we have you know other founders that they can meet we have a co-working space we have so we're we've we've been building it all but i think to your question um it does there are distractions and there are things that are high value versus not and and i remember we you know there was a point at which we were obsessing about our you know our courses the open academy courses of digital marketing and you know data science and the other topics that we cover in coding and and it's like, do you know? Have we filled the the seats? And how are we going to get? You know, how are we going to get the, these next ten seats filled? And um, it became, you know, a topic of obsession by the management team. And we're being distracted from, well, how are we going to get this next massive program that we're going to be doing right, and have much bigger impact, etc. So we, you know, it, it's it's always hard to stop doing stuff, but we've definitely, you know, toned down that 
that uh, that used to be the core right mm. of the business really mm-hmm. uh, we've toned it down in terms of um, uh, you know looking at that as a a, a, um, a profit maximizing sort of entity to having it be top of funnel for a lot of the the programs that we run and keeping a nice steady stream happening of, yeah. of, uh, of courses but we we've kind of reconstituted it um, based on this prioritization and then also whatever doesn't fit into that circle that I was saying, like kind of the mm. things that would feed each other, even mm. thinking about our, our talent practice and the hiring. We used to hire for anyone for anything. Yeah. And now we're like quite focused on helping companies build their teams in Saudi when they're entering mostly through the, uh, the channel of when we're setting them up. Right. Mm. So it becomes very complementary versus mm. just being spread out all over the place. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. a couple of examples. Yeah. And so... In the kind of in your journey on us with Astrolabs, what's kind of the point at which you decide to take a step back from managing day to day and then handing the reins over to to Roland, who, who was COO at the time? Yeah, so um, it was, you know, Roland, Lewis, and I yeah. were working in the same room for multiple years, right? Yeah. So we 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 were like very much aligned in terms of our approach to things to, not to say that we weren't challenging each other but we had a the this the the ethos uh we benefited from really ha- having spent all of that time together um and so i think it was it was a natural progression as soon as um we and he felt he was ready to take the next step up um, and there's never a good time. It was actually yeah. like around COVID. I mean, it was not an easy <laughs> period. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you know, okay, so we were, we, we didn't, and also it wasn't this like immediate, like, okay, Roland, it's your, it's your thing. Yeah. And we're, it's been a transition. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I say with mixed feelings, the company has like never been better actually. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, you know, he, he, he's done a phenomenal job of also just breathing new energy um, and building his management team and his approach. But, you know, I, we we're we're involved. We're, we're an active board. You can you can mm-hmm. I- imagine mm-hmm. is um, he's able to leverage us for for the things that we're particularly passionate about, good at or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's given us an ability to still have a leg in. Um, but him having the, the 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 control over and the 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 uh, the mandate to, mm-hmm. to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And, and for you, uh, this is your baby. Yeah. What have you had to do to make sure that you're giving him enough space to execute, but also being there to yeah. support where where required? Yeah, I think um, it's uh, you know having done something for almost a decade, yeah. right? And then it's like suddenly it almost becomes your identity. Yeah, it's like you're not you're not you're I'm not at the office anymore. Yeah. I go you know yeah. pass by once yeah. a week, yeah. and um, it, it's. It was uh, definitely, you know, it took some time to to um, to let it to kind of let it sink in. Mm. But I think the important thing was also just having other priorities and and things to fill up the time. Mm. Um, I'd mentioned, you know, I, I had started this program kind of on you know researching and such, and I kind of doubled down on it, and um, I started advising um, a, a VC fund in Saudi called Horizmi Ventures. Um, and a few different, you know, projects. Yeah. Uh, also, with the eye of eventually maybe starting something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just that the looking at it more in terms of the opportunities that it opens up, and that the company's in the hands of somebody that I really have a lot of respect for and I trust. Um, and I'm able to jump into the, the the areas that I'm the you know I can add the most value or most passionate about. Mm-hmm. And and he's brought new life and you know kind of like a a renewed sense of energy. I think yeah. no matter what, after eight years doing something, it's still you know that day to day. It's nice that you know to have somebody who's just like boom, kind of like ready yeah. to really uh, take it up a notch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it hasn't been as hard of a transition because I think we've been mentally prepared for it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the right person was there, uh, and and sort of other things had filled mm-hmm. filled the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think one thing I've heard from uh, some some founders as they've transitioned out is almost kind of my identity 
my personal identity yeah. in the, was so tied to the company yeah. that if I'm no longer in the company, what is my identity? And so, yeah, I mean, that might, I mean, I think because we're a bit of a unique case and it's a bootstrap company. Yeah. So, you know, the, it's, it's owned by Lewis, myself, Roland, the mm-hmm. sort of management team. So I, I think it, it's a, it's a scenario where, I, I'm able to move, change hats from, let's say, operator to investor yeah. um, within this and still be affiliated with the company. So I feel like super lucky, like I get to, you know, yeah. have my cake and eat it too or whatever. Like, you know, you're, you're, yeah, a, I'm, yeah, I'm still able yeah. to be involved. Um, and uh, I'm still very passionate about, you know, the calling and, yeah. and what can be done to kind of take it to the next level. Mm. You mentioned earlier in the conversation that you're a huge proponent of bootstrapping for as long as possible. I think there's a there's a bit of a self-awareness in that as well mm. um, about what kind of environment do I thrive in. Mm. And uh, I, I like that sort of smaller environment, trying to crack something, being very paranoid about sort of being turning it into something that makes money, being very close to the customer, figuring it all out. Um, and I'm not as obsessed about speed and scale. Um, you know, from, from an mm. early, from an early, and I'm, I'm willing to do something for a long time. Mm. Right. I think these elements, um, are prerequisites. Um, it's, it's a completely different journey. Mm. Um, but I think that the discipline it builds and, you know, how closely you are attached to the market and understand, you know, what makes the business run and, 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 and kind of building a solid business that, you know, we were able to survive through COVID, um, mm-hmm. which honestly was not a, you know, what, what was not taken for granted. I mean, when we, we started in, it's like we did everything in person. It was like yeah. a tough time where we hadn't, we didn't even run any courses online. It was mm-hmm. just like everything was in person, mm-hmm. co-working spaces, courses, all this stuff. And it was a big moment. Um, but I think because of the diversified lines of business that we had, you know, we had recurring revenue coming from, you know, the, the space and we had a few, few things happening. It was kind of built into the company mm-hmm. that we need to be careful that stuff could go sideways and we need to be very careful. So when we had an opportunity, for instance, to really scale up the co-working side, we took a decision not to do that mm. because of the risk of mm. like, okay, what if property sort of, you know, what, what if the dynamics change mm. in a big way? Mm. Um, so a lot of that mindset, I think you, mm. you're you kind of, and then the challenge becomes for founders and for the, the team that was there early days is mm. how do you start affecting a shift from being like the cheapest possible? I mean, yeah. I remember we went back looking at our books early days um, where we didn't, I mean, we weren't doing proper accounting and, and, and we had to report on taxes and all this stuff. And so we had the accountant go through and, and she was like, but you guys don't have any expenses. Like w- what's going on? Like, where's the, where's the office? There's not even like a company license, nothing. Yeah. We like bartered for everything. We were the <laughs> cheapest possible people. So DMCC was a sponsor and they yeah. bartered. So we bartered for the license itself, yeah. right? So imagine we had a closet of a space in Almas Tower yeah. that was just like an unused place that yeah. we got to use. Yeah. So that spirit, then when you start to move to the next level, mm. you want then yourself and the rest of the team to be willing to make the smart investments, mm. right? It's not about being cheap. It's really about have you know being efficient with your money right mm. and i think that efficiency ethos is one that you really is born through a, a bootstrapped environment mm. is one of the many benefits of being a bootstrapped company mm. um yeah and i think it's just uh, you can get quite sloppy when you have a lot of money on the table yeah 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 you make expensive mistakes yeah I think um, it's obviously that has its benefits and, you know, it's amazing to be able to, you know, scale up so quickly, make a bigger impact faster, all these things. I mean, and again, this is my point is that it's not necessarily a, you know, one is better than the other. It's about also, there's a lot of introspection that needs Mm -hmm. to happen. It's like, Mm -hmm. where do I want? And I think the one of the things that also led to a very um, effective partnership between myself and Lewis from early days was that we both had a similar perspective about how we wanted to run this thing, mm. that it wasn't going to be, you know, we're going to be, you know, working, you know, 20 hour days and we're going to, you know, try to, um, that it's okay that, you know, we, we can, we can build this thing in a, in a way and in a style that, 
um, is sustainable, uh, but still having really high ambitions and wanting to make a big impact, mm. but not having to report into somebody or not having to like, you know, there's nobody that ha that can ask us a question about what we do, which yeah. is, um, you know, that's a huge benefit, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's quite liberating, I'd imagine. Yeah. So, and then you've seen obviously a lot of entrepreneurs uh, come through the programs. Yeah. How would you distill what you've seen some of the best entrepreneurs do to succeed in that first phase? So going from, I have an idea and I want to get to product market fit yeah. and I want to commercialize this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen a lot of them through the the programs that we run or in our spaces over over the years, and it's always nice when you just you know you spot the one or two out of that batch yeah. um, that just have that spark, mm. and it's that tenacity and their willingness to, you know, put themselves out there. I think it's the typical thing of you know a founder. The hardest thing is actually to you know um, expose your 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 concept to the world. Mm. And um, and that's what leads to a lot of the you know the 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 very textbook um, reasons for failure of you know cooking too much before you find out that nobody wants what you're cooked yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But where does that come from? I think it's it's an it's kind of like a this insecurity uh, mm. that we all have. Mm. It's like, well, this is my amazing idea that I, I I need to make sure it's perfect, and then I'm going to bring it to the world and everybody's going to love it, right? Um, whereas those who have that willingness to just, you know, go out, talk to people, they have that, like a very, they have a sales kind of, mm. um, uh, comfort, if you will. Mm. And, um, and then again, again, that willingness to learn and, and adapt, I think mm. is, is like, um, the ones especially that we see that are just ingesting the content and asking questions and figuring out how is this going to apply right you have, the, you have yeah. the, the 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 people in the batch that are the theoretical ones that are just like asking these weird questions about but what if blah 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 right and they're in the they're in a different zone yeah. and you have the people there that are like okay i need to learn this in order to do x y and z mm. and they're on it right mm. so they have a learning mindset they're willing to go out there and actually put themselves and their idea and what they've done in front of people, even if it leads to embarrassment or it leads to, you yeah. know, and in fact, they're looking for that kind of feedback, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then they have, they have some kind of, you know, insight into what they're doing in, mm -hmm. in, the, in the market. They have some experience. I think that's the other element that it's like somebody that's coming from, from some kind of background where they have a competitive advantage in some way um, in what in what they're tackling usually will lead them again to the earlier point that we were talking about about the depth mm. When you have a bit of depth you can then see the doors and you can see where you know You might be able to um, take the company especially when you're gonna have to pivot in the future. Yeah, yeah. I Heard you say a couple of things in our in our discussion today, uh, you know, I heard you uh, talk about you know uh, oh, oh, this what I interpreted was, you know, being a nerdy person at heart. Uh, in other words, you know, having a learner's mindset uh, goes a long way. Uh, you touched on the need to have anchor brands to help you grow, um, both in the context of an MSHI, but then even kind of using Google to get other opportunities. And, and I think that's a really smart marketing and growth, growth hack uh, that probably I, I hadn't thought of before. We talked a little bit about spending time to go deep in an area. Uh, there's a lot of merit to doing that versus having shiny object syndrome. Uh, and this idea that bootstrapping is actually about making smart investments. Uh, and so I've had a lot of fun chatting with you today. Thank you very much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.